So I also had a call yesterday from our, our Canucks fan in Saskatchewan, and he wanted me to ask Robin O how Maid Marian was doing. Ah, uh-huh, that's really funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. My name is Robin Rob O. Minnow. <laughs> Rob, tangible pause, Minnow. <laughs> joining me today is Ryan Flurry. Hi there. And Steve Barkley. Steve Barkley. Barkley. <laughs> Just call me Steve Barkley. Stevio. Sta Barkley. Sta Barkley. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't have uh, the same ring as Robino. <laughs> listen, it, I'm, I'm actually kind of warming up to it, to be honest with you. It's like, the more you guys say it, the more I was like, mm, yeah, I, can, I can kind of live with that. On a fabulous Tuesday morning. They say it's supposed to be like seven degrees today. Really? Woohoo! Nice. It's warming up. No, it's not. Really? Spring's get, coming. Get that snow off the ground. Yep. I, I don't think that's correct. That's what I heard. Check my weather app. It does not feel like seven degrees out there. I didn't say it's seven now. When's it going to get? It's three. (laughs) It's only got four to go. Yeah, yeah, it's so Tuesdays. I'm liking Tuesdays as opposed to Mondays, Ryan, just for the record. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, Um, me too. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I don't like doing podcast Mondays. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it didn't really work too well. Uh, What's been going on with you? How was your week? Well, last week we were at a conference. How'd that go? It, it was, was good. good. Yeah, yeah. SEPC uh, District Partners uh, meetings. We uh, exhibited our wares and had a whole lot of SEPC District Partners wander past and prod our braille and do things like that. Meet new people. Yep. Uh, did you any podcast fans? Uh, not in this crowd, really. No, screw them. but you also had a braille you went to the braille challenge on friday that's right i was at the braille challenge on friday that was uh entertaining right from the word go because it was uh, bucketing down snow Mm -hmm. and uh last year the uh, braille challenge got snowed out so what sorry could you explain what the braille challenge is for uh they they bring kids in from around the province and uh they have different uh different categories based on their uh their age and skill level and uh they do uh reading and writing uh uh tests in braille and uh it's all timed and uh then it's graded for accuracy and uh, the kids who do the best in it, in their particular category, can go on all the way to the championships, which are, uh, I believe, in California every year. Oh, no way. And, uh, yeah, they can get uh, their bragging rights at the, uh, at the International Braille Challenge. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. We actually have had a kid uh, win the whole 
shooting match, I think. Really? Uh, from uh, from BC, yeah. Just a few years ago, I think. Hey, Ryan. Robino. Stop it. Stop it. Damn it. You're going to make that a thing, and I don't want it a thing? Oh, it's a thing. Oh, it's a thing. Uh, what are we doing today? Today, we are talking to Rebecca Blevitt from Tactile Vision Graphics. Mm. Tactile Vision Graphics is a Canadian company that got the license to do tactile graphics for the Disney Corporation. Yeah, they're going to produce a, a series of uh, tactile coloring books and activity books for children with visual impairments. Very exciting. Yeah, we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago, I think, and uh, our scheduling guru jumped into the fray and, and got us an interview. So I think I'm going to I'm going to order one just to see because you know having sight for 23 years, you know, I, I visu- visually in my mind can still, I think, identify objects. Yet at our previous company when steve would make like a, a tactile pf raised line drawing or some you know like the lava or the magma of a volcano yeah i couldn't figure that out for the life of me yeah that must well be- it's possible it was just a crappy tactile graphic <laughs> <laughs> but it's true like it's that I, I that must be a real skill as well like being able to interpret the the tactile graphics yeah because think you know visually how detailed you know, some things are and having to strip some of that down so that you get the concepts of what you're actually feeling would be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, Ryan, guess what? What? We got an email. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet you saw <laughs> it. And it was it. directed directly to you. No, it wasn't necessarily directed. <clears throat> yeah. It was more like directed to you. It started out with Rob <laughs> was the first word in the message. Okay, whatever. Okay, fine. <laughs> should we go? Should we, you want to talk about it? Sure, I think you should read the email. Okay, well, this Seeing email, as you were throwing me under the bus last episode. I did not throw anybody <laughs> under the bus. There were no buses involved. I just disagreed, that's all. Uh, no, we got a lovely email from Sherry uh, that begins, Rob, you're the web designer and know how to make it accessible. If you owned a company, what would you rather have happen if your website was not accessible? Someone to come and talk to you about your website and educate you and to advocate for themselves? or to be blindsided by a lawsuit. I bet when you get that lawsuit paper, you would say to yourself, why didn't they come talk to me first, rather than this lawsuit? Have a good week, all of you. Sincerely, Sherry. Well, first of all, let me say thank you for the email. We love getting email. And this, hey, this came this came to us at our new email. It did. Woohoo! Cowbell at atbanter.com. Mm-hmm. It worked, it worked. <laughs> Wait, say that again? <laughs> Cowbell. That's Shan calling. <laughs> Put him on. <clears throat> Wait, you, you, you're going to call during the show all the time now? <laughs> oh, am I calling in the middle of the show? You, you yeah, are. You're on AT Banter again. Second time you've done it. So, so, hey, I've got a question for you then. Since I'm being recorded. So, is this Robino and his band, Merry Men? (laughs) We've addressed this. (laughs) Uh Oh, did I hear Monkey Boy? No, No, he's not here. Monkey Boy's not here today. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, no, it's the Prince of Thieves over here. <laughs> oh, I'm in the middle of the news. Well, I better hang up, Dad, and let you do your show. I thought you recorded on Mondays. No. It was Tuesday, you know? We just talked yeah, about we're it. switching. Maybe, maybe we should have Shay as its co-host. He seems to be, like, dialed right into all our topics. His, is, name's, yeah. his name's actually Shan, not Shay. Hey, I, I listen to them all, <laughs> Robin O. Listen, Shan. <laughs> Seriously, I thought your name was Robino for the longest time. Shan's actually somebody we need to get on the show. We just got to get him booked. Yeah, he's got an interesting. And and, guest. and, and so I want to know how Maid Marion's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I better get off so you guys could finish your uh, recording. So. Okie dokie. Uh, they, hey, the last show. The last show was a great one. But, uh, hey, I'm not the only sad Canuck fan out here in Saskatchewan. But after last night, I was a pretty happy one. <laughs> oh, yeah. A shout-out shout will do that for you. You know what? I was, I was at home, and uh, usually whenever the Canucks score, my, uh, my Bud, Budweiser uh, red light goes on. And uh, it didn't go on all night. And I thought I was watching uh, a show with Jackie, and I thought, well... They haven't scored once. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to go watch the game. They're they're getting killed. So of course I, I get, you know, I, I I get to bed and I, I look up the sports scores and uh, yeah, they kicked ass and took down names and I didn't even know about it. So. Well, hey, well, maybe it's reverse psychology. Could be. Yeah, I should probably you know. not watch any more Canucks games for the rest of the season. No, I meant the, the red light just gave up on going off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no damn way the Canucks have scored anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Okay. Anyways, um, yeah, well, I'll talk to you later. I'm sorry for interrupting your show there, guys. No worries. No, okay. See you later. <laughs> Take yeah, care. Bye. 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 So, everyone's a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where were we? Uh, okay, well, we were talking about... Yeah, you were you were doing the email. Yes. Yeah, You got that email at? So, what? You oh, uh, yeah, that's right. We uh, That that email came in to us, for, of course, from our brand new email address, cowbell at atbanter.com. You're going to have to keep that stick on. Like, yeah, you should probably, you should probably keep it over yeah. the side so it's easier to grab. Get Ryan to put up a holder. Like, he needs, like, a yeah. stick case like, they're attached to the wall. Drumstick, just... drumstick holster. Yeah. yeah. Not to dive too deep down, back down the rabbit hole. Uh, but, I mean, I, I, I do agree with, with aspects of that. I mean, um, you know, and, and well, this, I did... this goes back to that article, right? And yeah. and the fact that that article was pretty pretty sketchy and not particularly well researched. Written. Yeah, um, we don't know if those guys actually contacted those companies to, right. to tell them that there was a problem and yeah. to ask them to address it. We we have no idea. Right. So maybe that happened. Maybe it didn't. We don't know. But yeah, yeah it would be it would be far preferable to contact them first and say hey there's an issue well and here but here's here's part of the problem and you know I, I went and did some research because of this um and actually dug a little bit deeper into just what the landscape of of litigation is like down and this is these are all this is all in the u.s uh, of course um okay so in 2017 plaintiffs filed at least 814 federal lawsuits about allegedly inaccessible websites of the 814 federal cases, New York and Florida led the way with more, hundred, with more than 335 and 325 cases, respectively. A lot of the judgments seem to be landing on the side of the businesses. 
Um, and part of the problem and, and part of the problem behind these, this spike in activity is that the DOJ itself hasn't specified what accessibility means in terms of, of websites, especially. Well, I mentioned that with, because with the, the, with the ADA. Exactly. I mentioned and, that in the last episode. What the part of the problem is that they're just going off WC3 standards, right? which, which are great, but they're also like highly technical and, and, and very, very detailed. And so it's hard to, to apply that to some of these, um, instances without it becoming very muddied. Yeah. It sounds like the ADA website guidelines have to be updated because it sounds like they're are very, very, very vague. Um, and like I say, I mentioned that in the last episode where, you know, it's in the ADA, but what accessibility actually means isn't defined. Part of the part of the, what frustrates me is the fact that the, that the ADA has been around for 30 years. Websites, I mean, how long have have websites been ubiquitous and just part of That's the, the 90s? Yeah. I mean, so I mean, honestly, the fact that we're still fighting to have uh, websites accessible in 2019 is is infuriating. Okay, but let, let me ask let me ask you this question. Before you came to work in this field, you were working at the dot coms. Sure. Did you even think about accessibility back then? No. Exactly. You had even, no clue. Not even a. Not even a. Right. So until you became aware of people with disabilities, accessibility wasn't even a thought in your mind. Sure. Right. Yep. Absolutely. And that's you know I got to give some leeway to some of these businesses who may not even be thinking about accessibility. But, but granted, but that was in two thousand. Right. It's been mm-hmm. it's been twenty years. So let me let me give you guys a little taste of, of what I came across in terms of uh, an article that's talking about uh, the, the types of lawsuits that are that have been coming out last year. So the majority of the lawsuits are in relation to websites being inaccessible for people with vision impairment or blindness. There are also a small number of lawsuits alleging breaches of the ADA in relation to people with hearing difficulties. The defendants include companies across the whole spectrum of industries, including clothing and apparel stores, telecommunications companies, restaurants, consumer goods, and e-commerce stores. What is somewhat surprising is that many of the companies involved are high profile and would not be expected to be slow movers in terms of addressing website accessibility issues. Some of the more high profile defendants include Nike, Converse, Fabergé, Timex, Hershey's, The Wall Street Journal, CNN, Rolex, and Amazon. Wow. So, you know, we hear the, we, you know, occasionally hear these stories about, you know, the guy that's suing all these art galleries. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> at these, these are the lawsuits here. The, the more high profile companies I feel like are, are the more important ones. And yeah. Those sound like, you know, when you're talking about news sources, for example, yeah, they should be accessible. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. And, you know, it gives an example. It talks a little bit about one of the specific cases, which is the a guy named Cedric Bishop, who is suing Amazon. The article says, Cedric Bishop has similarly filed a class action suit against Amazon.com. Mr. Bishop is visually impaired and legally blind, who requires screen reading software to read website content using his computer. He is asserting that Amazon's website is not equally accessible to blind and visually impaired consumers and therefore violates the ADA. Is there contact information? I'd like to put, put forward a training contract for him. Yeah. I shop on Amazon he, weekly. He is seeking a permanent injunction to, cha- to cause a change in Amazon's corporate policies, practices, 
and procedures so that its website will become and remain accessible to blind and visually impaired consumers. And just one more thing on that point, Amazon actually has a link right at the top of their website that says, if you are using screen reading technologies, click here. And it takes you to an accessible, friendly website. Yeah, so you got to wonder... What's not accessible. Yeah, what, what, he's, what he's talking about. Talking about specifically, yeah. yeah. Well, I was reading about another case, another case of somebody who, in Florida, who was suing, suing Domino's. Yeah, Domino's was, was well reported. Oh, you've, you've heard of that case? I think, I don't know if it's the same case, but I think there was one in Canada as well, but maybe it's the U.S. one. Yeah, this guy sued Domino's because their website was not accessible. Domino's ended up winning, long story short. And the reason why they became they, they won was the fact that they also offered a, a 24-hour toll-free number that would let you phone in and the operator would help you navigate the website or put in your order for you, I guess. Hmm. And that's the main reason why Domino's won. Was there, there was this other option for people who couldn't. Right. Yeah, that's accommodation, not accessibility. Well, exactly. That's which my is, point. Which is like, a different thing. Mm-hmm. But that's but they won. And so, you know, I don't know. It doesn't really address the issue. And because what we want, the goal behind all this litigation isn't isn't to make lawyers rich. Right. And, you know, I think this idea that the Joe Blow visually impaired person is going to get rich from an Amazon settlement. Um, I don't I don't buy that. No, either. they're not. The lawyers you are know. the ones making the money. But. At the end of the day, what the goal behind all this all this litigation is is supposed to be is to to make companies take accessibility seriously. Yep. And it's obvious that they're not. I mean, the ADA doesn't sound like it has much in the way of teeth. Right. To be honest, people aren't taking these things seriously, and I feel like the litigation aspect of it is the way to make them take it seriously. Uh, the one mistake that I will say that I did last week is I downplayed a little bit uh, of the, the process behind making uh, a website accessible. It's not necessarily as easy as I was you know, making it out to be. I mean, certainly when, when you have a, a, a website, say like Domino's, you, it, it's gonna require you know, a web development. It's gonna, th- you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Well, and talk about, you know, if you're talking about broad accessibility, you're talking about hearing impaired, so do you have captions? You're talking about alt text. You're talking about, sure. you know, maybe audio segments um, that you can click on and you actually hear something back. You know, it's not just blindness, low vision. It's true. It's, right? it's, it's you know. So it's it's a mammoth undertaking. It, it can be, sure, for, for a really you know, mm-hmm. complicated website, absolutely. So I didn't mean to downplay that, but I think that what needs to happen, and I think that the community itself would be fine with the idea of, even rolling accessibility in. So you don't necessarily have to make sweeping changes immediately, but if you start the process as you're developing a website or a service, whatever it is, you know, hire somebody who can who can start working on those accessibility changes and, and roll them out over, you know, two, three years, whatever, but end up with an accessible platform that everybody can use. That's that's the goal behind this. And what I find interesting, sorry to you know no, maybe no, throw you off, is you know we hear most of the time it's about blind low vision people suing these companies and and saying that these sites aren't accessible. We we never hear what's not accessible. You know I'd like to find more detail. You know I don't go to Nike, I don't go to Timex, I don't go to Rolex. You know, 
But when somebody says something's not accessible, what are they trying to, what are they saying? What's not accessible? Can they not see a picture? Can they not click on a link? You know, there's more to saying something isn't accessible than just saying it's not accessible. Well, because you know, part, like, part of know, the problem with, the, with, some, with a lot of these articles that you hear, I mean, they don't go into like great detail in terms of what yeah, very few right. is accessible and what's not. It's, right, but that's what I'm saying is... It's in a brush where it's like, this website is accessible, this one's not accessible. Right, and, and I'd just like to find out what that means because, you know, we know we've been in this, in this industry long enough to know what's accessible to me isn't necessarily accessible to, you know, John Smith, who's also blind down the street. Is that a training issue? Is that some other issue that's getting in the way? You're right. You know, like there's a lot involved. And, and I mean, again, you know, to go back to it, that's also part of the problem with the ADA is that that term accessibility isn't really defined right. enough to make these lawsuits, you know, stick. Well, make black, very black and white. Yeah. It's all very murky. So that's the that's the other big change that I think needs to happen is that they really need to lock down what they mean by accessibility and what the actual what the, what these companies are leg legislated to provide. Well, and I'm looking forward to our show in April where we're going to have, you know, a guest on to talk about the Canadians with Disabilities Act that's being proposed and, you know, hopefully this is all part of that too. Well, and to bring it around back around to Canada, I mean, we should be looking at these issues mm -hmm. with the ADA because, yep. you know, we have our own national legislation that's coming in and we want to try to learn from some of those mistakes. Sure. Yep. Well, I feel like we've beaten that topic to death. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that I feel like we're at least more on the same page now. There you go. Okay, Robin. So Ryan's, we love Ryan's you. Ryan's admitted that he's wrong. Just <laughs> I got email proof that I was right. Let's see. Man, we talked about that for a while. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, you know what? Let's. I want to talk. Let's talk some news. Okanagan parents voice concern over a, a school district app that isn't accessible. Yeah, I saw the headline. I didn't know if you were actually going to see that or not because I didn't pull it out. So what does the story say? Well, uh, School District 23, which is the school district in the Okanagan. That's Kelowna. Uh, yeah. yeah. They recently introduced a new app for parents to report their child's absence from class, uh, but not accessible. There's a parent who's blind who's, who's gone on record and complained that the, the app, of course, is not usable by him. Does it say who the parent is? Uh, Derek Wilson. No? Okay. I know yeah. Derek. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he's, uh, he works for uh, Neil Squire Society. No, no way. Yeah. Uh, got, got a quote from him. I think that the school district, if they're going to, to use public funds to provide a service, then as a parent, I have a right to expect to use that service. And the truth, the truth is that I can't, Wilson said. And it's impacting the safety of my children. Goes on, Wilson uses a screen reader on his phone, which is software that converts text to speech. When he initially signed on to use the app, Wilson said that he wasn't surprised that it wasn't fully accessible to him. Quote, I deal with this every day, multiple times a day, he said. It wasn't a surprise, but it was a disappointment because it hit close to home. Wilson has two young daughters in the school district. 
Uh, the school district said that the school messenger app was introduced to help improve student safety. The school message system allows them to contact families quickly, and it also has a feature called Safe Arrival, which allows schools to collect absences and communicate with parents quickly. Yeah, sounds sounds like it's a, it's an app that's you know a good idea, a, a useful tool, but they just didn't implement it well. The school district's superintendent emphasized that accessibility is a priority <clears throat> and said the app gives users different ways to communicate. There are three options to ensure inclusivity, the quote says. One is a web-based app, then you have the mobile app, which Wilson is talking about, but we also have a voice call app that anyone can call a toll-free number. The solution itself is very accessible. And he added that there weren't any parents that weren't able to use at least one of the options offered by the new system. So this, I mean, this goes, plays into what we were just talking about. Yeah, accommodations so, versus accessibility. Right. Yeah. So how much leeway do we give people in terms of, you know, okay, they've made an accommodation, but shouldn't they just make the, the app accessible to begin with? Yep, absolutely. Well, of course the app should be accessible. It's, it's a no-brainer. You know, and, and this is where I kind of cringe when, when you start talking about accommodation instead of accessibility, because there's not a lot of places where uh, people are going to tolerate that for other kinds of disability. Like if you walked, if you were in a wheelchair and you went to a building and there was no ramp, but they had a couple of large burly men who would pick up your wheelchair <laughs> and carry you through the door. Uh, I don't think that's a really good solution, right? right? right exactly. You know, and... and you know, okay, they've got a they've got a phone number that you can call, sure, but but it it wouldn't have cost them any more to have an accessible app right. if they'd asked for it up front. Right. Exactly. That's exactly it. And this is you know, this is where it gets to my level of fret like this is why I get frustrated. I mean, a, another great example is look at the um the SkyTrain gating system mm -hmm. that they, they put in here in Vancouver. They, they put in these, these uh, turnstiles, but when they put them in, they, they put the card reader that you need to, to tap your, your transit card at, at a height where people with, with mobility issues were having trouble like tapping their card in order to get in. And, you know, TransLink's solution to that initially was well you know what uh here's a, a phone number that you can just call <laughs> and uh you know a transit person will come and tap it for you yeah and that wasn't accept that wasn't acceptable <laughs> at all and all they would have had to do is like take that into account when they built the damn things and they, they could have you know solved the problem that way don't get me started on translating <laughs> So, you know, accommodation is all well and good, but I think that when they fall back on that as an excuse as to why they didn't make something accessible in the first place, that just shouldn't cut it. Mm -hmm. The school district said, since hearing from Wilson, it has asked the developer to improve app accessibility. We've made a client request, and we suggest that the gentleman actually use the voice call-in option, which makes the program accessible, said the superintendent. Wilson said that he was pleased that the school district is working towards a more accessible solution for the app. Good. Well, at least they're making the right steps. Yep. No, I think it's good. You know, schools, schools doing the right thing. School district is working on it. You know, at least he had other options in the meantime. 
But here's a you know, and here and here's a great a, you know a great quote. It says, "By sharing a story, Wilson is hoping to raise awareness that it's not just accessibility in the physical world that should be a priority; it's needed in the digital world as well." Well put. Preach it, brother. Yep. <laughs> Software needs to be designed with accessibility in mind from the beginning of a project, and that's what that's where the education I feel needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, when companies are developing apps or developing websites, you know, all this stuff is, is so much easier to just bake in at the design phase. Yep. As opposed to an add-on. It's just, and, and it, all it takes is just a little forethought. Well, you know, the other, the other side to this as well is they, they, they didn't do this in-house. They, they contracted mm-hmm. this out to somebody. Now, why is it a web developer mm-hmm. these days not producing an accessible product from the start? Right. Like there, there's just no excuse for it. Yeah. There, there are well-published guidelines around accessibility now. Um, they're not a mystery. They shouldn't be a mystery to a web developer. No. Um, there, there's just no excuse. No, no, there isn't. And uh, we've come a long ways, but we still have a long ways to go because I, I really feel like people aren't taking it seriously. So. Yep. Okay, let's talk about no frills. Woman with disability banned from a no frills store after failing to pack groceries fast enough. A woman with disabilities is fighting back after she was told not to return to a popular no frills grocery store unless she brought help because she couldn't pack her groceries fast enough. Uh, this took place in uh, a no frills in White Court, Alberta. She said she had to plague, beg and plead staff for help packing big grocery runs, but was often told they were too busy. Fed up with having to beg for help, she said in January she complained to the franchise owner who promised to fix the problem. But when she went back a few weeks later, nothing had changed. As she worked to pack her items as quickly as she could, a lineup was forming behind her. That's when the owner came over and told her she, if she can't bring someone to pack for her, she shouldn't come back. <laughs> Wow. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. So now this is a news story. She hasn't filed suit or anything. She's filed a human rights complaint. Has she filed a human rights yes. complaint? Yeah, okay. or she's in the process of filling out the paperwork she said in the article. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, that, that is exactly why we have human rights legislation. Yeah. yeah. And I think she went above him. He's just a franchisee. So I think she went to the head head office. That's right. And they offered her a hundred bucks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they said they'd, they'd look into it or deal with it or whatever, but you know, but it is scary. Like 2019, this is happening. Yeah. Um, you can't, you can't do your own shopping because you have a disability, you know? Yeah. Stories, stories like this just make me angry. Mm-hmm. Now I guess, you know, and I'm just going to throw this out there. You can send all your hate mail to me, but maybe if they had a, phone number she could call to order her groceries and they could deliver it that would be an accommodation i don't think no frills offers that <laughs> yeah, like, that's no literally idea. called no frills right <laughs> <laughs> like, you really think they deliver superstore does save on does yeah but they're not called no frills like, this is literally the bottom of the barrel in terms of like just just saying no they give you bags they, they don't even have they don't even have frills like customer service that's right yeah, yeah I mean, that's true enough literally yeah I, I guess the positive takeaway from this is, at very least, 
people are outraged by stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not just, oh, well, you know, she could get somebody to go with her. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's not the attitude anymore. The attitude is get it right. No frills. Yeah. 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 I mean, cashiers should just be happy. They have a job getting replaced by those self-serve checkouts. Yeah. No kidding. Well, I think there was yeah. a story in the news recently about those two and people aren't yeah. happy with them. Yes. Yeah, so they're starting to pull them out in places. Yep. Are they really? Yeah. Why? Why aren't? Why are people not happy with them? Um, I didn't read the article. I just well, saw the headline. Yeah. But yeah, I, I guess they just don't like <clears throat> having to figure out the codes on everything themselves. And yeah, you know. I never do that. If I have like produce and stuff, I always go to the checkout. Yeah. Another news headline I saw this morning is Walmart is is getting rid of their greeters, which is putting people with disabilities oh, no jobs way. at I, risk. I did not read that. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Oh. Yeah, because Walmart's been a pretty big proponent of hiring people with disabilities to be greeters. And, you know, so they're concerned their jobs are going to be lost. Mm. Bummer. Mm -hmm. yeah, hopefully they'll today. hopefully they'll find some uh, other work for them. Yeah. Okay, next week for our news block, let's look. Let's find happy, happy stories. news. Happy stories. <laughs> yeah. Enough <laughs> of this outrage and anger. So angry. Mm -hmm. So really. angry. Well, if, you know, if society would get it right, we'd all be happy. Get your crap together, society. <laughs> That's right. We got to fight for our right <laughs> to accessibility. <laughs> it doesn't right. have the same ring to it. No, not quite. Hey, Steve, why don't you tell the fine folks about Canadian Assistive Technology? Well, Canadian Assistive Technology is a Canadian-based distributor of, guess what, assistive technology. I would not have guessed that. Uh, really? Oh, i got to work something better into the name then. <laughs> um, and uh, we do uh, all kinds of low vision and blindness aids, as well as all kinds of physical access aids and uh, accessible furniture, you name it. Visit our website at www.canastech.com. Rick, let me ask you about this. Chaos Technical Services. Chaos Technical Services. Don't sound so excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Speaking of repairs. We are the sister company to Canas Tech. Um, we do the repairs on uh, low vision devices, uh, uh, reading machines uh, for libraries, braille printers, and pretty well anything in between. We can be found at uh, www.chaostechnicalservices.com. Joining us now is Rebecca Blevitt with Tactile Vision Graphics. Hello. Hello. Ah. How are you? Hey. <laughs> I'm fine. So Rebecca, uh, oh. why don't you just, why don't we start with uh, just telling us a little bit about uh, the company itself and, and what you guys do. Okay. Well, uh, Tactile Vision Graphics um, started under our uh, leadership in 2013. And um, <clears throat> we it, it had been developed already, um, but the people who developed it wanted to retire and they wanted uh, somebody to take over who knew something about Braille and tactile graphics. And so they asked us if we wanted to do that. So anyway, we, we, um, we, we, started, we started tactile vision graphics, but we kept the, the concept of the old company. And um, so that's, that's how long it's been uh, in existence. And um, we've, we, we do primarily, as, I, as the name says, uh, tactile graphics and Braille production. So that can be standard things like greeting cards and some, you know, some braille maps like maps of the USA and Canada and the world and thing, greeting cards, um, business cards, 
but then we also do um, custom designing as well. So if, if a museum calls up and wants a, um, a floor plan of an exhibit, we'll do that. Or if a university wants textbooks, we'll do that. Um, and we've, you know, recently got into some signage as well. And so the, 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 um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the two streams, really. It's custom designing and also a standard um, kind of line of products. It's over 300 products now on our website that we sell. Nice. And our whole sort of, uh, you know, philosophy is um, blind people deserve quality Braille. And, uh, and equal access to everybody is really important. So. Here, here. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> now you uh, you recently announced that you'd done a uh, little bit of a, a minor uh, licensing deal, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, minor licensing deal. Um, yeah, and it's it's kind of a, it's I I don't think we I don't think I realized just how monumental it was until other people, you know, sort of started to react to know about these sorts of things. But um, yeah, we. Uh, my husband had this idea several years ago about, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful? We do uh, raised line coloring books, tactile coloring books. And, and he said, almost from the start of, um, of the company, he said, you know, it'd be great if we could do uh, Braille coloring books with Disney themed characters. And I said, yeah, it'd be great, wouldn't it? And we started looking into the legalities of it. And, you know, they're fairly proprietary about, you know, you don't mm -hmm. put a Disney character on a publication without asking them first, oh, no. more or less. You just don't. Right. And um, otherwise, you know, they will find you. So, um, <laughs> so I sort of <laughs> read this and thought, there's no chance in a million years, a snowball, you know, there's no way. It's just not going to happen. So he said, but we'll call them up. And uh, I'm like, yeah, that's my job. I'm the marketer. <laughs> so I've got to try and find somebody to call. Well, lo and behold, you can actually reach a human being. And uh, we did. And um, we, we discussed our idea about Braille coloring books, and they said it's a marvelous idea. Flesh it out a little bit for us, and, uh, and we'll, you know, we'll, uh, we'll work with you to, to make it happen. So that's, that's what we've done. And uh, it took a long time to, to sort of, mostly because they've got hundreds and hundreds of submissions coming to them every day that they've got to, vet and decide whether it's a good idea or not. So it's tremendously gratifying to realize that our idea uh, made, you know, made the, made the grade really. What I found interesting is I was reading either on your website or a, a tweet that came across my timeline that said mm -hmm. in, in the 90 years or whatever it's been, that Disney's been around, this has yep. never been done before. I know. I know. It's amazing, isn't it? It That's really is. It is yeah. a little surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nice that, uh, I mean, my husband has ideas like by the hundreds and um, I mean, my usual response is, oh, somebody's thought of that already. <laughs> but uh, apparently in this case, uh, you know, somebody hadn't thought of it already. Two, and uh, Two points so, to hubby. <laughs> yeah, big time. Big time. So. <laughs> so what does that licensing deal look like? How many books over how many years? Well, um, you know, what they... What they they start you off with a, a three year licensing deal, and uh, we've committed to producing fifteen books as a minimum, uh, fifteen different books. So that's what our particular licensing deal looks like. I don't know, you know, how these. And I think, um, you know, the hard part is is kind of getting in. So mm -hmm. we'll see, 
you know how that how that looks um, after. But it's a lot of work for them to 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 get you in as a as a licensee. So I don't think they abandon you unless you you know don't don't deliver in some way, right? right? They're they're not interested in going through that process any more often than they have to, I think, because it's a tremendous re- number of resources for them too. So we'll see, we'll see what, what, you know, how that goes, but um, three years and 15 books is what we, what we've lined up. And so some classics, you know, Mickey Mouse, of course. And I mean, our, our, um, our thinking is Bambi and Winnie the Pooh and other things like that, that, you know, people have grown up with, uh, whether you can see or whether you can't see, you know, we all know these names. Most, you know, most people listening to your podcast probably grew up with those characters, I mm-hmm. think. And, uh, you know, maybe 101 Dalmatians or, um, and then, you know, some more modern things, Lion King and, um, and then, you know, Frozen and we'll just have to see Aladdin. We'll have to see how it, <laughs> how it works, which books now that we've got, um, access to the Disney art repository, which is gargantuan in size (laughs) every single piece of art that's been created over the past 90 years whether it's video audio book um you know retail book merchandising they own it and so you get it as a licensee so it's huge it's Mm -hmm. huge huge. so um we'll see what what things lend themselves best to the kind of learning activity books that we have in in you know envisioned envisioned for for them what, so do they give you input in terms of like, do they say to you, okay, well, look, uh, maybe have one book where it's a variety of different characters, then we want a Frozen book, and then we want a, a Lion King book, or are you guys just free to just produce you know, whatever you want in whatever order? I think, um, I think initially, um, you know, we're, we're sort of, we're still new into this process, so they haven't given us those kinds of directives yet. I think they, they want to see what we have in mind as, as our, you know, um, drafts and and it's taking us um, it's taking us a few weeks to sort of work our way through um, the the process of even figuring out how they lay out their voluminous uh, repository of art and what their procedures are for getting your your material approved um, uh, in you know in principle they've approved our our sort of publishing schedule now we've got to see what they you know what they do with the with the art that we that we put to them. Because what we're having to do is take art that they've got and 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 um, not exactly adapt it, but in a in a way adapt it so that it's possible to produce it in a tactile format that's going to make sense to to blind people reading it, right. right? To braille readers or tactile readers, because um, what you can do in a print coloring book often is a lot more elaborate than what the vision impaired people could even distinguish on a page. Mm-hmm, right. You know what I mean? There's just, uh, I'm not sure how, how many of, of, um, you know, your readers or whatever would listeners, sorry, uh, would have, um, a lot of vision. But I think, um, I think for, for those of us who, who grew up not being able to see, it seems incomprehensible that, you know, a, a print reader could distinguish as much, uh, from a tactile picture. I once saw, um, a reproduction of the, the Van Gogh, you know, Starry Night painting. I saw it. I touched it, and it's just lines. It's just lines. Um, <laughs> so you know that would have to be majorly simplified in order to make it intelligible for a blind person. And even right. coloring, coloring pages are the same. So 
uh, there may be some direction in terms of, well, we think this would fly and, and this doesn't, and you know, this, this wouldn't work. But I think for the most part, we're, we're, um, we're free to adapt the art and get that approved uh, based on our knowledge of, of sort of the market that we're dealing with. Does the licensing deal include everything under under sort of the Disney banner? So does that include, say, Marvel stuff? Yeah, no, that's a that's a really I've, I mean, I, I, I should know the answer to that question. Um, but the. Uh, the contract itself was like 70 pages long and I haven't memorized it. <laughs> I read it twice, but uh, I haven't memorized it. <laughs> Actually, but, you can put in, I read it, but haven't memorized it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that, but that opens up even more options for you guys, you know, if, oh, yeah. if you so desire. Yeah. So yeah. do you guys, have, have you guys had a chance to really build a roadmap yet? Like, do you, or, or is, is this all still so new that, you guys are just still recovering from just the oh no well you itself. know what we we had a roadmap uh, built before we got access to the art and before we learned what their processes were and we've had to revise that because we just figured we we're going to be cranking out books you know every two months or something and it, it might still happen but the the starting point for that has been pushed back uh, by a couple of months just because it's such a it's such an extensive process to learn. Um, you know, how they, how they do things. They've got a very specific channel, uh, set of channels, you know, you've got to go through one set of reviews and then another set of reviews. And I think because Braille is such a new thing for them, they're, 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 it's a learning curve for them too. So, um, you know, we have, um, um, a second training day this afternoon, actually, uh, sort of to, to help navigate another part of the, 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 the site, uh, the Disney portal. And, um, so there's, there's, <laughs> there's lots to, there's lots to absorb. And, uh, but I think once we get going, it'll be much faster. It's just the first one is, is taking longer. I figured we'd be up and running by January first <laughs> and yeah, we'll get access and we'll just, that's it. We're, we're in, but, um, it's, it's not quite as, uh, um, simple. There's a lot of players as well. You know, there's a lot of people involved and we, you know, we're having to introduce our, our concept to people who you know have approved it in theory but haven't seen it right. in in action yet and so it's all very exciting it's it's a lot of fun so how has it impacted your sort of day-to-day -day operations in terms of the business because it, it, if i'm not mistaken it's it's just you and your husband are are the the two employees of the company we have we have um a third um a third person who who does some printing for us as well so um you know so far the the impact in terms of hiring or that sort of thing hasn't uh, hasn't been noticeable. Um, we'll see. I mean, I, I think um, the idea would be to not grow the business super fast because it 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 seems that if if a business kind of explodes and and uh, suddenly you're building buildings and you're hiring people and you've got you know multi million dollar sort of projects on the go, that sort of thing is is very easy to to sort of burst as well. Sure. And uh, I think we we we've learned in our in our history that uh, it's always better to to just go slow and steady and grow organically, yep. and not uh, not you know dream big, but also you know uh, you know spend according to your what's in your bank. Right. Yeah. And so, Rebecca, are you or your husband visually impaired? I am. Okay. I am. 
manual is fully cited. He's the graphic designer. Right. The I call him the the visionary. The, <laughs> the what's the term? I never the the chief visionary officer. I didn't I didn't make that one up. I got it from a, a networking organization. Um, credit where credit is due. But nice. uh, I would say he's the, the chief visionary. I'm the I'm the bookkeeper. I'm the one who says nope, you can't afford that. Nope. That's <laughs> I, <laughs> See, Ryan just calls me the sidey. That's right. The what? The oh, the sidey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a visionary, Ryan. Uh, okay. <laughs> we'll go with that. We'll go with that today. <laughs> and a journalist. Don't forget a journalist. <laughs> That's right. I wanted to talk a little bit about about the actual the the actual Braille and the the tactile graphic activity books themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think for a lot of people, you know, especially sighted people, might be a little shocked that that these are a thing. You know, they might not understand right. exactly how they work. Yeah. Or, or or the importance of it because right. <clears throat> having braille activity books for you know for kids is is also a very important aspect of of that development and for sure and a component of braille literacy which is yeah, yeah, yeah. these days you know a little bit under attack i mean braille yep. literacy we we have to really fight to to maintain the importance yeah. of of braille literacy so these types of activity books and coloring books um, are actually really, really super important. So I thought yeah. maybe we could talk a little bit about uh, about the the books themselves and sure. and sort of and how they work to say, sort of maybe give people who aren't familiar with them who are listening uh, a bit of an, an idea of of what of, they are. Of course, yeah. Well, I mean that was that's that's one of this is the thing about the raised line coloring books. We've always maintained that they do so much more than than give um, blind kids a, a chance to color. Although I mean they're they're sort of seven or eight things I think that 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 does all by itself um you know it it gives blind kids finally a chance to color within the lines um and autistic children too or you know people people who are on the autism um spectrum um because it's it's another way of of sort of reinforcing where the lines are and you can suddenly have a successful activity uh that doesn't appear to be you know, handheld, as it were. You don't have your somebody's not doing hand over hand with you to get something. So there's that. There's just the 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 fact that it's well, I can color. Um, the second thing, of course, is inclusion. Right? It's a it's a it's a childhood activity that um, kids do all the time. And uh, you know, as a vision impaired kid growing up, I always felt frustrated that nobody could identify what my pictures looked like. And my my friends, I, I'd hold up a a picture to one of my friends and say, did I stay within the lines? And, you know, she's too busy coloring her own thing. She's not going to, you know, as a five-year-old kid, she's not going to help me figure out whether I managed to do it, you know, appropriately. So um, it's, it's you know, for that. And it's also very cool. It's kind of a, a cool thing for a, a, a blind child to be able to show not only this is my this is my coloring book, but but look at this. This is, in a way, educating, well, in a very real way educating their sighted friends about this is how I this is how I I access um, something that you take for granted on the printed page so this is a so it's educational for their friends not that it's let me be clear not that it's our job to educate sighted people but sometimes we have to so anyway that's that's that um, little soapbox but um, uh, but then you know then there is the the issue of uh, sort of spatial awareness you know um, if you're coloring in a page, you know, you've got to organize your space in a certain way. You've got to, uh, if it's going to look 
If, if it's going to look convincing to a sighted person, you don't want to miss any bits. So you've got to be organized, you know, about, uh, you know, top, bottom, side to side, left to right, uh, diagonal lines, you know, kind of a grid pattern, you know, it, it would help in independent living skills, I think, to um, to sort of have a sense of how to how to clean a surface, uh, how to look for something that drops, um, how to how many of us haven't, you know, sort of uh, drop something on the floor and, and circled our hand, you know, an, an inch around the, the, that thing. Where's that damn thing that mm -hmm. I dropped? And, and somebody says, right in front of you. Well, how did I miss it? So, you know, um, these these kinds of things, you know, it doesn't hurt to have another way of reinforcing, you know, sort of organizational spatial awareness, as it were. Uh, tracking, tracking lines uh, helps with pre-reading readiness for those who are in the uh, vision rehab field. Um, you know, kids... Sighted kids learn how to follow lines and learn how to, you know, uh, distinguish patterns in order to read effectively. And um, blind children need to learn those same skills in order to read Braille or to decipher a tactile graphic right. later in life. Um, <clears throat> and another thing that, that raised line coloring books do is introduce blind people to art in a way that is pretty non-threatening, you know, um, our coloring books also have a Braille label and a print label on the bottom of each page because we recognize that even though um, they the, the graphics themselves can be pretty distinguishable, um, if you've never touched uh, a, a graphical picture of a, of a cow or of a horse or of a fireplace or of a mouse or whatever, you may not know what you're touching right. in fact even if it's a pretty good tactile graphic and we think ours are amazing um you know you 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 have to know where people are coming from and the place that that vision impaired people by and large are coming from is not having had a lot of introduction to good tactile art we all know that you can get a greeting card somebody can give you a, a greeting card that they think is tactile and the proudest punch but but really the only thing that that that's tactile are Maybe there's um, I don't know. Maybe there's a, a line where where the cape is sort of draped over the arm of somebody, or or the, you know the the two eyes, or maybe the beard is is outlined in tactile, or there's a couple snowflakes, and um, you know whatever the picture is, it it may not be terribly meaningful right. in a tactile way. So, yeah, coloring books can do a lot of things like that, and then, <clears throat> um. Uh, also, a bit about perspective, because sometimes in a picture, things are farther away and closer up to the viewer, and it may be possible to introduce some perspective in a coloring page where uh, blind people wouldn't know much about perspective. You know, the fact that the farther away something is, the smaller it appears in a picture, whereas to us it might look like, oh, the you know, um, the, the, the other person in that picture is up in the sky. <clears throat> well, no, actually they're just farther away in the, in the picture. So there's some, you know, rudimentary introduction to art that can happen. Hmm. Those are a lot of things besides that in the, in the activity books, um, you know, we have some mazes we want to put in and some kind of word searches, crossword puzzle, scrabble, a scrabble board kind of look, uh, to, to also, um, introduce those kinds of things, you know, sort of board games and other kinds of activities, which may even be more helpful now because 
people are so often operating on mobile phones and uh, touch screens where they don't have a physical representation of a, of a board game necessarily. So again, those offer just fun other ways of interacting with, with the material. It's actually really interesting because I hadn't really given thought to, to a lot of those aspects. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, tactile art, I feel like isn't really a big thing, but I think I feel like it's not really a big thing because a lot of people haven't didn't have access to it yeah. early on. And and yeah. I, I love the, the idea of like learning perspective and learning like there seems to be a real art form in producing tactile graphics because the yeah. challenge isn't necessarily just making the the edges raised. That's right. But no, you've got you've you've got to raise the right things in order yep. to make that that image um, mean, meaningful to somebody yeah. who doesn't have vision. So well, I, my husband always jokes that that he can do tactile graphics just fine because he 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 didn't take you know he didn't go to art school you know what I mean it's it's but but there's a there's another I I just want to say one more thing that that's quite interesting about tactile art and tactile graphics for blind people and and the Disney thing. Um, you know, when, when you, I, I understand that as, as a sighted person, if you draw a duck, for example, and the duck is, is simply, you're drawing a duck in profile so you can get the shape of its head and its neck and, and its body and things, you still have to show the, the other leg of the duck. It's not like it's directly, um, 100% behind the leg that is in front. So in order to show that though, you've got to draw it so that the duck looks like for a blind person, one leg isn't actually touching the bottom of the picture. One leg is, is somehow raised a little bit, um, but it's not really raised. It's not like the duck is walking. It's just how you depict a, a duck standing still in print um, for those of us who, who have been blind all our lives, right? It doesn't, it doesn't seem to make sense. But when you draw a duck for a, a tactile graphic, you might choose to draw it so that uh, both of the legs are actually both of the the dog du duck's feet are actually touching the bottom line of the picture, which looks really off balance to a sighted person. But it also tells the blind person that yeah, this duck has two legs; it doesn't just have one leg. Right. Um, so these things are these things are sort of important, and they're they're conscious decisions that have to be made every time your my husband is is doing a graphic. But the other part of it is something really cool about Mickey Mouse that I didn't know. Uh, is that wh whichever way Mickey is facing, whether he's in profile, whether he's standing facing away from the viewer, his ears are always pointing the same direction, which obviously was a deliberate choice on the part of the, the creators. Um, you know, that, that his ears <laughs> never move. His ears, and Minnie Mouse too, I think, has the same thing. Um, uh, I, haven't, I have yet to see these, these graphics when they finally come into a, a tactile form, but it's pretty neat to think that, that that's a, a conscious decision that, that they made at Disney, that these two mice were going to always have the ears facing the same direction, no matter which way those mice were in the picture. So hmm. that's a, another cool thing about, about that we can engage with in, in doing these tactile graphics is an educational piece about why you might actually decide to skew the depiction of something in a picture. 
Are you, are you at all concerned about uh, depicting uh, Donald Duck as a tactile graphic, given the fact that he's got no pants and it might lead to inappropriate <laughs> touching? <laughs> Give him I some don't pants. know how to answer that question. <laughs> we think that blind people have a right to everything, uncensored. <laughs> don't be sending us any weird requests, okay? I'm not doing certain tactile graphics I really don't want to Sorry, Ryan. You're out of luck. No, I'm ordering a book. I got to check out this tactile graphics. Oh. Um, <laughs> what's exciting for well for me, other than that, now I get to color. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, oh, lots of people are excited about that. But I think that, you know, it doesn't get any bigger than Disney. Um, and the fact Tell that me. Disney is, is taking these steps to produce books like this, uh, I think is incredibly positive. Uh, and hopefully uh, we see... Um, other brands yeah. um, follow suit because really once Disney does something, everybody pretty much has know, permission to do it. Right. Well, and, and wants to do it, you know, especially, yeah. especially, and you know, well, and, it, and, and it's sad, it's sad that, you know, for generations, you know, kids blind and visually impaired kids haven't had access to, to these things. Um, I mean, certainly yeah. they've had tactile graphics and they've had braille activity yep. books, but they've Just, never had, something disney related that they can that they can uh relate with you know with their peers and, and what yeah. they're doing so i think it's an it's an incredibly um important first step for thank sure you. thank you for saying that i think you're right i think it's about it's about accessibility in general and it's about advocacy and it's about mainstream normalizing uh tactile and braille um it's it's true it's a it's it is quite monumental and i think that my my challenge is being right in the middle of it as a blind person is I've got all the, the, the sort of self-talk inside my head from, from a young age that said, you know, oh, Braille, it's just Braille. It's just, you know, just, just make do with, uh, with, with, uh, you know, put up with it, you know, here it is in print. I mean, all that kind of, I, I would, I would bet that, um, all of us who are vision impaired have internalized some of that. And, and, um, it's not, uh, helpful and it's also, it doesn't have to be like that. Well, and especially cause you know, as, as we said before, I mean, braille literacy has really been a, a bit of a struggle to advocate for with the advent of smartphones, with the advent of, in, in of this country, in this country, right. Think, granted, yeah. granted, um, you know, and and the technology is only getting better and better. You know, yeah. we've got things yep. like we've got apps that we can literally like just take a picture and it'll you know, know. It'll, it'll, it'll describe it to you, and describe it to you, yeah. text to speech, all that. You know, especially with the younger generations who are are really attached to these devices, oh, yeah. the oh, idea yeah. of Braille isn't isn't as sexy. No, and, and this is a, a great way to to reengage them with that idea of tactile and the and the idea yep. of Braille. To, to really drive home the importance and the the level of, of engagement that you get from from putting your fingers on something yeah it, you know yep. can't be can't be understated so nope. Uh, nope, you know we true. we need more of of these things in our lives for sure you're here you're here textbooks 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 you guys produce textbooks too we do yep what, what's, yeah, what's your process for that? Like if somebody goes and throws something like a science text at you that's got diagrams and, yep. you know, all kinds of crazy stuff in it, um, you know, because it's it's like science. Mm -hmm. um, 
what what's your process? How do you how do you convert that into? Oh, well, we just have format? to. I mean, we you know, it's a it's we just have to provide them a quote and uh, and get started on it. So, I mean, the diagrams need to be produced. Um, you know, the the diagrams and the braille text are produced in their particular uh, formatting. So, for example, if there's if there's text on the diagrams, that's included. You know, any kind of uh, sort of key material or, or particular descriptive uh, text that needs to accompany the diagram. But for the most part, the textbook would be produced in, in Braille and then they're correlated so that everything fits together where it's supposed to. And, um, and it's, you know, sent back to the university that ordered it. Usually it's, it's universities or colleges that, that order these things. Um, unfortunately at the moment, um, because the, you know, the price point is high for, for producing a textbook. Um, but that's kind of how it goes. I mean, we just have to dive in and get, you know, do it. I'm just kind of yeah. curious about how, how long it takes and, you know, what, what sort of costs are associated with that. Cause I, I know that producing textbooks is a, is a long painstaking process and, and, uh, it, yeah, it, it doesn't have to be as long as it sometimes is. I think, um, I mean, we, we've turned around foreign language textbooks in, you know, sort of three weeks. Oh, wow. And, uh, so I, I can't, it's, it's, it really depends on, on the size of the book or, you know, how many chapters are required or, um, you know, also the, the quality of the original material that we get, you know, if it's a, if it's a sort of a graphical PDF that has to be pulled out into Microsoft Word, there's some, do you know what I mean? It just depends on how good the, the original production sure. was in the first place. Yep. But, um, uh, it's, you know, it, it, it's usually, you know, we're taught, it's, it's rare that it's going to be under, you know, four figures, uh, to do something like that. But I, I can't quote on, uh, yeah, you know, be specific to each individual and, yeah, that's book. right. Until yeah. I, until I would see the, the project, but we do try because we're a small company, we really try to, uh, be as, as flexible and as accommodating with deadlines as we can. I don't think it's right that somebody should wait a year or six months before getting a textbook for a university course. That's not on. If the, if the course starts in September, even if it gets dropped on, on our desks, you know, on September the 5th and they need the first chapter, they're starting the textbook, you know, three days after we'll do everything we can to get that first chapter in their hands by the day they start the class because accessibility is important. So, um, it may mean some, you know, some overtime, but um, we're a small company and we can do that. Well, that's definitely an improvement over uh, one of the uh, universities here and their accessibility department <laughs> who told one of my uh, one of my camp kids that she should uh, take a different major because <gasps> yeah. I was what was she what was she wanting to major in? Can you tell me or will it be too? Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember now. Uh, well, I was told that when I started university. Yeah, yeah, I don't recall off the top of my head what it was. <clears throat> They were saying it's going to be too difficult to get your materials. Take something else. Yeah. And wow. to my shame, I did. Well, so did she. years ago. So, so did, did she. she. Yeah. yeah, no, no, that's it's not on. It shouldn't happen. No, it shouldn't. And in 2019, it sure as hell shouldn't happen. <laughs> that's for sure. Bingo. Are you able to talk about the technology you use to create these Braille and tactile drawings? It's a, it's a, it's a proprietary process. Okay. So, um... I, I probably, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say too much, but no. it's, um, it's, it's one thing that I will say is that 
the Braille that we produce can be in, in different colors. So, for example, we can produce a uh, like a, a full-color um, printed greeting card, for example, but the Braille that outlines the card could be in blue or in green or in, you know, in red or in black. Um, when we produce business cards, the we can do labels so that the Braille on the business card, the color of the Braille on the business card can can go some way to matching mm-hmm. uh, the logo of the company, for example, that, that, that you know, has. So that's kind of cool. Our, our, the Braille and tactile graphics are very visual that we produce. And I, I can certainly say that, um, which makes them a little bit unique, um, too, because they're, they're, they look kind of neat. And, and they're all, it's also a nice process to, to touch. Okay, Steve, we need new business cards. <laughs> Just looking for an excuse for new business cards, are you? Yeah. <laughs> Stand out from the competition. Oh, they, they would. <laughs> so we'll just call the technology the Braille Elves. The Braille Elves. There you go. The Disney Sorry. Braille Elves. <laughs> are, are hard at work. Yeah, you can't call us the Braille Mice. That's a little too, uh, there might be a, a certain website from, from the States that would say, hey, yeah, that's that's right. copyright infringement. Yeah. <laughs> Real elves. Oh, you know what? I, I want to say, and this doesn't have anything to do with Disney, but it does have to do with tactile vision graphics. And that is that we are also um, the Canadian distributor for this really neat device called a Braille caliper. Okay. And if, if um, and that's another thing. Vision impaired people haven't ever uh, had much exposure to calipers because they've never been, you know, uh, tactile. But we... For, for those who don't know what you can do with them, you, you can put something in, they're movable. It's like a ruler with a movable jaw. And you put something in between the two jaws of that ruler and you can measure it to the millimeter or to the 16th of an inch. Oh. And um, it's, it's very helpful. Um, I know somebody who uses a Braille calipers now to, <clears throat> to make sure that the pottery that she makes is the right size so that a oh. lid will fit on a, a, a clay pot. Um, oh, I know cool. somebody else who uses it for you know, um, measuring, um, wood for woodworking and somebody who uses it for measuring, you know, um, the, the level at which, um, a cheese press is pressing cheese, homemade cheese, the right amount to make, you know, 20 pounds of pressure, 50 pounds of pressure, whatever. So there's lots of applications or even for measuring. If you, you set up your iPhone on a tripod to sort of film something, um, Calipers can can give you a pretty accurate, very accurate actually measurement of how far from the edge of a table each of the the legs of that tripod has to be in order to position it correctly to, for taking a picture or for filming. So the oh the, the most important thing is that the braille uh, the braille uh, on the top of the ruler calipers is um, the inches or the centimeters are are tactile, but then ev- as you move the movable slider thing along the sur- the top of the of the calipers the millimeters or the 16th of an inch show up under your finger so it's kind of refreshable braille very low tech refreshable braille but it it's it's pretty genius and we're the canadian distributor for that so if anybody's in the market for braille calipers check you know check out our website Give us point, point them your direction that's right we didn't make it but we're we're distributing it in canada and uh, we would love for people to know about them who wouldn't have known about them otherwise. Well, this is a great segue. So let's talk about uh, 
where people can find you guys uh, on the web if they are interested okay. in a Braille caliper or uh, they want to keep an eye out for the first Disney book. We are at um, www.tactilevisiongraphics.com. So tactile, T-A-C-T-I-L-E, vision, V-I-S-I-O-N, graphics, G-R-A-P-H-I-C-S.com. Uh, and on that website, you can find uh, links to the shop and also uh, contact information, um, uh, toll-free, 866-465-0755, and um, email info at tactilevisiongraphics.com is a good way to, to reach us. Then, you know, um, we can we can both see that, uh, that email request coming in. And uh, we would welcome any uh, feedback um, on our products. Um, and... Uh, We'll hope to hear from some listeners soon. Also requests for tactile graphics. We don't guarantee that, or, or Braille, also custom Braille. We don't guarantee that we can necessarily fulfill everything immediately, uh, but we will certainly absolutely keep it in mind and uh, put it in the queue. Rebecca, thanks so much for taking some time out to talk to us. Thank you. Will, Thank you. Will you come back and, and talk to us once uh, maybe you get the first book produced? Uh, yes, we'd love absolutely. To, love to hear about how the process went and, and what it was like. Thank you for making time for us in your in your podcast, which is so diverse and interesting <laughs> and engaging. Well, that's all me. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. <laughs> what? That's true. All right, we'll give Rob some credit. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I just show up. <laughs> all right, Rebecca, take care and uh, best of luck with the book. Thank you very much. Or books, Thanks. I guess. Thanks to you, all of you. Thanks. Bye bye. See ya. Wow, they must they must just be giggling right now. Yeah. Although there's probably another part of them that are just shitting bricks. Well, can you imagine? Can you <laughs> well, imagine yeah, the Disney, graphics geez. that they were sent by Disney? Thousands yeah. of art images. Yeah, yeah. You know that library is massive. Ninety years of content. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I would love to have been a fly on the wall in the you know in the lunchroom or whatever that morning where they you know, had the call and they were like, "Oh my God, they went for it! <laughs> wait, wait, we have the deal." Yeah, it's incredible. Well, and I think people are starting to realize that people with disabilities are consumers as well. Yeah. You know, maybe Mattel will come out with, you know, Barbie coloring books, you know, now that they've got Barbie with a prosthetic leg and a wheelchair. Sure. You know, the sky's the limit for, for these companies. Yeah. Yeah. But what a daunting task to, to mm -hmm. you know, say, okay, here's here's the entire Disney library. Pick, pick, pick your graphics. <laughs> That's right. So yeah. Where do you even begin? Yeah. You know? Yeah. The classics. Yeah. Yeah. It it is interesting that the the process of producing tactile graphics, like I can see the challenge behind that, in terms of making making those graphics make sense to somebody who's accessing it with their you know with, with their fingers yeah it's not just a matter of like okay this is a triangle and we just we're just embossing the, exactly it's not a circle a triangle it. square I mean, you've gotta, you, it's far more complicated to that and i can see that 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 could be a, there's a real art form to that and oh for sure hmm. hey ryan robino screw you <laughs> where can people find us atbanter.com they can also drop us a line if they so desire at our spanking new email cowbell at atbanter.com uh where else can people find us people 
Oh, oh, I, I, I know, I know. Uh, Facebooks, uh, Twitters, Instagrams, and uh, what? No LinkedIn. Oh, sure, LinkedIn. Oh, sure, LinkedIn. There you go. You guys are really Ryan. You're really quiet today. Am I? You, you are. <laughs> you seem a little. Are you okay? Did you sleep okay? Yeah, no, I never sleep fine, but I'm alright. Hmm. Plus, I was a little concerned you didn't answer the door right away. <laughs> You're you're off today. Okay, sorry. You feeling okay? Your tum tum okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. Yep. All right. Just checking. It's all good. Okay. I guess that's gonna do it for us this week. Uh, thanks everybody for listening in. We'll see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com. Or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com. Master of the one take.